Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 195. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. This is your host, Richard Ryerson. Thanks, as always, to tuning into the show. So appreciative that you're here. And I'm excited to bring to you today Mindy Hall. She is the president and CEO of Peak Development Consulting. She's got a brand new book out there called Leading with Intention. And I love, love, love this book. This is a book that speaks to me all throughout this year. If there's any word that keeps cropping up in all of the group coaching, the individual coaching that I've been doing and and talking with other leaders is this word of intentionality. It's an intentional act day after day after day. And uh, that's what Mindy comes here to tell, to remind us on this show, that leadership is all about a choice. It's all about intentionality. Every interaction that we have with another human being is an opportunity for leadership development and growth. And, and uh, Mindy just hits that message home in this, in this uh, interview. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Pay attention, too, to some of her tactics um, of what we all can do starting tomorrow when we go into that next board meeting and how we can start to make an impact right away. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Again, okay, so Mindy Hall and uh, talking about her book, Leading with Intention. Well, Mindy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Richard. Good you know, to be here. One of the great things about um, this podcast, and you know, it's going on two years, and I love meeting all these interesting people. And, you know, and, and Mindy, when I came across your body of work, I mean, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm part of your tribe. I hope you let me in because you speak the language that I love when it comes to leadership, especially with the idea of intentionality. You know, and your book is called Leading with Intention. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that. What, where's the genesis of the book? A little bit more about you and the genesis of the book. So, Richard, I, the book's been um, in my mind for a long time. And uh, where it got started was um, back in the early 90s, I was working in a pharmaceutical company. And I went in to hear a presentation from one of our senior vice presidents. And it was about an acquisition the company was making. Um, we, you know, we all kind of settled into the auditorium and got ready to be in classic reception mode. Um, and he went to the front of the room, flipped the, the front page of a flip chart pad over, and there written on the paper were just two words. And they, were, they said, be here. Oh. And he didn't say anything more about it. Um, he just left it up throughout the meeting. And it, it really got me thinking how many people were really, quote, there, you know, yeah. present to the meeting. How many were not? And if they weren't, why weren't they? And I think that's really where the seed for this book was planted and thinking about the choices people make in their leadership. Um, I find that no matter what level a leader is or, you know, where I'm working with them around the world, I really feel that once a leader gets more intentional about how they show up and who they want to be, their effectiveness really goes through the roof. And, you know, this book got written actually twice. Um, I wrote it first in 2004 to 2007. I had graduated from my doctoral program in 2001. And when you graduate from a doctoral program, you don't really want to write anything for a long <laughs> I can <could> imagine, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I wrote the book and I was on a flight back from Greece in 07. I was in this total writing zone and um, 
for about eight hours, I wrote straight and I was putting the finishing touches on it. I landed in Philadelphia and I um, said, you know what, I'm going to put this away for a little while and I'm going to look at it in a week. And a week later, I went to find it and I hadn't saved it. Oh my gosh. You mean it was, and it, is it, was, it was in the cloud devastated. somewhere? Say that again? It was in the cloud somewhere is basically what it, you're saying. Well, it was before the cloud. Oh actually. my God. <laughs> and it was, just, it was gone oh and I Lord. couldn't find it in the temp files oh. and I, I have no idea what happened. Um, and it was, you know, it was devastating. And so from 07 to about 2010, I did nothing and said it just wasn't meant to be. Oh my gosh. And, um. You know, it just kept knocking, knocking on the door and said, you need to write this and it wouldn't leave me alone. And so I started, it started again, um, in about, I'd say late 2011, early 2012 and, um, and wrote it again <laughs> and so, oh. and got it back out in the world. And, and I'm really glad that I did, but you know, for me, it was, um, it's just a lesson that if you have something to say, it's, uh, Keep at it because people, you know, pe- somebody can, well, might benefit from it. Oh my God, I can't, that, my guts are nuts even thinking about losing all that work and then thinking, oh yeah, so you're basically three to four years sitting on it, not doing anything and then and hitting it again. Well, good for you for getting it out there and, and what a <laughs> what a great message. You know, I, it's it resonates with me deeply because, you know, I was just talking with um, a client in a group. Of folks the other day and we're talking about this exact same thing we really are on autopilot people just kind of go through life in this autopilot mode especially as leaders we think we get the position and title we're automatically going to become the leader but that's when the work really begins right i i think we um we get into the, i think in this world we have so much noise coming at us right that i think uh we rely on the shorthand that we know so what what you're calling autopilot right and so yeah. um i think that leaders get into you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, I've been around corporate America and the nonprofit world for over 25 years and just the rate of, um, and the pace at which people are operating these days is exponential to when I got into the workforce out of college. Right. Um, and there's, again, I think there's just a lot of noise that comes at folks and a way of managing that noise is to go to what, you know, to patterns that they know to things that they know, to things that have worked in the past. Um, and that, that is doing things out of, you know, habit and pattern rather than out of intention. And I think you miss a tremendous opportunity when you're not choosing how you actually want to behave in the world. Yeah, because every interaction that we have, I mean, and that's the great thing about leadership, really. And I find great comfort in this is that every interaction we have, every opportunity, every situation we encounter is an opportunity for leadership development and growth. I mean, the perfect curriculum for leadership growth is where we find ourselves right now. I mean, that's kind of the takeaway I got from reading your material. Am I, am I kind of hitting that right? You are. I think, you know, the, the subheading of the title is every moment is a choice and we are the completely controllable variable in every interaction, hundred percent responsible for the tone we set. And it is, we get to decide how we're going to show up. And I think it's the, it's the practice of understanding that and then putting that into, into our day to day, into, you know, kind of living into it day to day. That's what makes separates people from operating out of intuition and pattern and operating out of intention. So what holds most people back? Do you think, do you think it's, is it fear or lack of knowledge or a little bit of both? What do you, what do you think? I think it's lack of knowledge more than fear. So, 
Um, in the last, I would say, you know, in my coaching practice over the last 20 plus years, I, I've probably, you know, the, the people that I've worked with, about 75 to 80% of them are wonderful leaders who have gotten far in their careers, but they've gotten far um, almost out of intuition. Right. And um, once they understand how much further, how much better impact they can have in their organizations when they start thinking about what, how they want to show up, how they're impacting a room, what, what ball they set in motion simply by how they step into a meeting. It is amazing to see the exponential rise in their ability to impact their organizations in a really positive way. And, and so this isn't, you know, this isn't kind of the let's all be happy and let's all have a smile sheet. It isn't about that. It's about know how you are impacting a room. I wrote the book really to help leaders become much more self-aware and realize their impact because the stakes are really high right. in, in a day and age of, you know, talent that wants to feel inspired or organizations that have to continue to find ways to stay relevant to today's consumers and business models that change overnight. And what leaders model is what companies become. And so I wrote the book to, to really help leaders ratchet up their ability to be much more intentional in how they show up and what they model so that they can get better business results and have better impact on the people whose lives they're affecting simply by being a leader in the organization. What I love it's what, really a place of privilege and obligation to me. Oh, I love that you said that. And, I, and what I also love about what you just said is it's really about the small things, the attention to detail and the awareness. And just like you said, the example of going into a meeting, you're right. How many of us just, okay, we have an agenda. And so that kind of substitutes for um, intentionality, I guess. But what you're really talking about is just that absolute, that moment of awareness and thinking about before you go to the meeting, what am I going to say? What is it I'm going to try to get across? Being intentional kind of about your, not only your perception, how you're going to be perceived, but also what is it you want people walking out of that meeting what what message do you want them to get from you? Is, is that right? That's exactly right, Richard. And there's a, a little tool in the book called the, the two plus two. And um, we know that perception shapes reality. And think about that when you walk into a meeting, as you just described, are you clear about your intentions for that meeting? And before you enter, have you thought about the dynamics in the room, key points you want to make, the questions you want to ask, how you want to show up, you know, or have you rushed into the room from another meeting which is much more the case with no real sense of what you're walking into or the contribution you want to make. You kind of come in and the agenda's sitting on the table and you look at it and say, okay, here we go, let's go. And unfortunately, that second one of rushing into the meeting without thinking is much more the case and you miss the opportunity to lead from a much more intentional place. And a, a good tool for, for building your intentionality in that kind of um, situation is a tool known as the two plus two. And so Here's how it works. Before the next meeting you go into this week, and all of us will have multiple meetings, it's only Wednesday when we're (laughs) recording (laughs) this, do the following. Given the dynamics in the room, the context of the meeting and the agenda of the meeting, determine two questions you want to ask about the topic and two thoughts you want to contribute. And Mm -hmm. really that simple act of being clear in your own mind about your intentions before you step in the room helps you come across as more grounded, more prepared, more present, and it has a big impact on the outcomes that get achieved in that meeting. I love it. Simple but effective and very powerful. I agree with you, right? And it's something that all of us can do. We don't have to, 
you know, go to some lengthy seminar or, or, or download some lengthy course to, to figure that out. You're absolutely right. That's what I love about that, the two plus two. How did you come up with that? You know, it's it's funny. Um, I came up with that from a, an old boss who um, had, at the time, about, I was, I think, 9,000 people uh, that he was responsible for across wow. the Americas. And I would watch him in meetings be, uh, honestly, stellar in terms of his ability to contribute, his ability to um, be present in those meetings. And he was the senior vice president of that zone. And so he had five different business units. And he really um, was able to go in any meeting and show up that way. And I asked him, you know, how do you do that? Like, what? I want to learn how you do that. And he said, Mindy, before I walk into a room, even as I'm walking down the hall, I think about two things that I want to contribute to that meeting and two questions I want to ask. And I said, do you mind if I put that into a little tool? And he said, please do. I want everybody to think like this. And so, so that's where it came from. Um, but it's interesting, you know, Richard, you, you talk about it, um, the simplicity of the tool and being able to apply it. When I, when I wrote the book, I did a, a field test with it. I asked three people who were flying from San Francisco to New York or New York to LA, basically cross-country flights. I gave them a book and I said, please read the book and, and tell me three things. One, did it hold your attention? Um, could you finish it in one or two sittings? Because it's meant to be finished in one or two sittings. And were you able to immediately apply one of the tips or the tools or the concepts when you got off the flight? And I wanted to, I got some fantastic feedback and, you know, I really wanted to field test it. And everybody that I talked with, the three people that did that said, um, we were absolutely able to apply it. And that's one of the things that, that really resonated for us because it wasn't like I got to go to a send away event for a week. It was, I can apply this in the next meeting I'm in and be a better leader as a result, at least incrementally. I love that. That's so great. One thing, you know, that tool, especially we talk about leadership presence and, and I think a lot of times people hear that word and, and a lot of images come to mind. Some people think it's about a larger than life charismatic presence. But for me, it's about, again, being always aware of how you're being perceived because the unfortunate reality is perception is reality, right? I mean, if I perceive you to be something, that's what you are, regardless of if you are or not. You know, if you're a thief, if I think you're a thief and you've never stolen anything, you're still a thief in my mind. How do leaders battle that kind of unfortunate reality of life? I mean, that tool is kind of a great one. It kind of gives you that sense that, man, this guy or gal is really grounded in what, in what they're talking about. But how do you battle that kind of unfortunate reality that perception is reality? Well, the higher you go in an organization, the less it becomes about what you're getting done and the more it becomes about who you're being. And that's a, that's a little bit of a a switch for people to make because most people have been rewarded for what they've gotten done. Right. Right. So they've moved up in their careers because they're a a more savvy marketer or they're a, um, a better scientist or, or whatever, whatever their profession is. And they get to a point where there's a tipping point and it's typically around, and I know every um, industry has different, calibrations around titles, but um, it's typically at that vice president level where you start to see that who, what you're getting done is really just the expectation of being a VP, right? It's the, it's the price of entry now that you're a senior person in the organization and much more in terms of what starts to differentiate people is who they're being. Right. And that is a, that 
aha for many people um, take some getting used to because they're used to being the folks who, you know, again, get rewarded for getting stuff done. So they're, they're in the operational details. They're trying to get stuff done. They're trying to prove that they were the right person for that job. And it is completely counter to what will actually mobilize and drive the organization, which is a personal connection to the person, a um, sense of the person in terms of who they are and what they want to try to make happen in the organization, you know, what their vision is, what their platform is. And those are different skills. And, I, and what I find is that unless folks have a chance to, to understand those skills, and again, it doesn't need to be over-engineered and a big event and a big you know, training. Right. It can be a simple book, whether it's mine or somebody else's, that just plants the seed of being mindful of how am I showing up because it totally sets a ball in motion in my organization. You know, the number one way culture gets formed is by what leaders model. And so getting your head wrapped around what am I modeling and how are people seeing me is as important as getting all of this operational stuff that I'm responsible for done. In fact, it's more important. And that's a big, um, I would, part of what I see is that that's a big, big leap that people have to make as they go higher in their careers. Wow, that is great insight. And I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I see that every, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that and still see it to this day where these people, and I guess it is kind of part of the kind of natural progression of things, if you will. And we, we assign people, as you put, leadership positions, not typically not because they were great leaders, but because they were successful in some technical aspect, as you pointed out, right? I mean, this is why they, and it seems to make perfect sense. But as you're so right, as you get up in that level, a whole different skill set needs to come into play. Why, why, why that gap? I, th- I don't think I've ever come across an organization that hasn't been faced with that in some aspect. Is it because we just don't understand leadership or why do you think? I think that um, we don't reward the development of leaders. We say we do. um, But if you look at organizations, you will see showing up on, you know, organizational cascades and organizational objectives that we're going to develop our leaders. Um, but then as the business gets going and there's pressures on the business or, you know, financial pressures or whatever, what starts to happen is we pivot to take care of those issues. And we forget that 50% of the job of a leader is to make sure that the leaders behind them can be successful if they're not there. Yeah. And so I don't think that we take it seriously. I don't think we reward it. Um, you know, we, people will move in the direction of things they get rewarded for and they'll move they'll move away from things that they aren't rewarded for. Very Pavlovian, you know? Right. And so if we're not reinforcing the need to develop the leaders behind you and it's not rewarded, it doesn't get paid attention to. And so we, we continue the cycle, right? Yeah. Because it, it, isn't, it isn't serious enough to be on the radar screen. And I'm painting, you know, organizations with a big broad brush here. Sure, but, yeah, yeah, get it. Um, it. It isn't serious enough to be on the radar screen in the same way the the ROI or the you know the the PNL is um, for for the organization and so I just find that it's not it hasn't raised to the level of crisis yet um, unfortunately we respond much more to to that than we do to being proactive on the front end of it now there are organizations that do it really well and I don't think that gap exists that you talked yeah. about yeah um, and where the organizations are doing it well 
It's because it is an expectation of any leader in that organization that they're developing the leaders that are behind them. Yeah, the transform, you know, the, well, I guess kind of that's what I've always kind of called transformative leadership, or it's when leaders start training other leaders. That's kind of my, what I mean by that. And it's so critical. And it is a little, I, you're right, it's a little kind of nebulous for a lot of people who are so used, especially with the operational mindset where you are kind of working in a more tangible, uh, results oriented, area. And when you start talking about transform- transformative leadership, it becomes a little nebulous and mushy and people don't quite understand or or that's touchy-feely or something, whatever you want to call it. And you're right. So, But man, that's really when organizations take the dramatic leap is when they start training other leaders. Is it exactly like, yeah. when they get when they get intentional about that? Yeah, intentional. You know, yeah. So somebody asked me recently, they said, so men, how do I, um, you know, how do I do this? Like, how do I start this? You know, and, and I think we're, we're pre-programmed to think that everything has to be a big program, you know, yeah. or, or, a I don't know, like an engineered, you know, training yeah, event. Exactly. And, and I said to them, you know, two words, notice yourself. Yeah. That's how you start. Just notice yourself. And then after you notice yourself, choose, you know, choose to have a great impact, choose to create environments where people feel heard and valued and seen. You know, choose to lead with intention. It is really all within people's hands. And it is that simple. And I think it's just a matter of it being front front of mind for people to actually be able to do it. It is, you know, when I work with leaders, there's really three layers of um, in which I work with them. And if you can think about it in, as concentric circles. And so the innermost circle is awareness. Yeah. And awareness is just, you know, the, the cognitive element, right? The, the I get it intellectually element of understanding your behavior and having the awareness of seeing how who, you're, who you are being is impacting others. And then the next circle out of that is called integration. And that circle is really just turning that cognitive data into action. It's the behavioral element. And it's the hardest toggle point between awareness and behavior. And it's really about just choosing how you want to behave and then doing what you say you want to do. And then the outermost circle is embodiment. And that's just simply consistency over time. And it's like any new thing we're trying to do. It takes understanding how to do it, then doing it, and then repeating it over and over again until it becomes a new way of operating. That's the process. So when you say, how do I how do I start to become more intentional? Just notice yourself. Yeah. Notice what you want to shift. Pick one behavior and start behaving into that new behavior consistently over time. And you have started the process of being more intentional. Yeah, it really is an inside thing. That's what you're talking. And that's that's what's so beautiful about what you're talking about. It really is an inside thing. And the payoff is huge. I think especially I can imagine when you reach that level and um, – it's almost like, and even in the best of us probably think, hey, I've arrived, I paid my dues. You probably start to get a little complacent, but that's really when the awareness has to kick into high, high gear. You really have to be aware how you're coming across. And it never ends, does it? I mean, it's, it's, a, right. never ending, it's a never ending cycle, right? Exactly. I, I worked with somebody uh, many years ago, and he was a director of marketing, and now he's a, a very senior executive um, in a Fortune 50 company. And he said to me recently, um, you know, Mindy, when you started talking to me about this concept, I was like, okay, that's kind of out there. It's a little woo-woo. <laughs> right. And um, and he said, but you stuck with it. And he said, I want you to know that I'm now teaching all of my leaders how they need to be more intentional and the impact it can have. 
And the amazing thing, Richard, is it doesn't have to cost any money exactly. for that to happen. Exactly. You know, it's not a, it's not like, again, and, and not that I'm opposed, so I don't want to come across as being opposed to training programs or things like that. I think there's certainly a place for those, but I think we, we go too quickly to that when sometimes the answer can be much more simple, much less costly and much more impactful. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's because we want the tangible evidence. And when you're telling me to look inside myself, what do you mean? I'm a, I'm a CEO. Why do I going to get to look inside myself? I, I've worked hard to get here. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it is an inside thing. That, that, that's my big takeaway from, from your work. And, well, um, I, I love that that's the takeaway because I think it, it is, um, it's an inside thing that has a tremendous impact tremendous. in the world. And it's all within your hands. Yes. That's the cool part. Yeah. Well, gosh, what, who are, I'm curious, who are your hero? Well, let me phrase it this way. What I usually ask people is if you, if you could have the ultimate dinner party where <laughs> you could just one night and just have this fabulous night of conversation, entertainment, whatever is your fancy, who would those five people be and why? And they can be alive or dead. Doesn't have to be just alive. Wow. So I just asked, it's very funny you asked this question. I just asked this question of a group of people <laughs> that I was with last week. Um, and, and I actually have three. Um, so one is Rosa Parks. Oh, great choice. Um, I would love, absolutely love to know what she had in her to, um, to have the courage she did to do what she did. Right. Um, I'd love to know, you know, what shaped her and what gave her that tenacity and that stand in herself. Um, so I'd love to have that conversation. Um, another person is alive, and he's a absolute um, hero of mine, and that's James Taylor. Oh, cool. <laughs> and um, and I had the incredible, incredible good fortune this summer to be at a concert where he stayed afterwards, and I have a picture of him with his arms around me. Oh, that <laughs> so is cool. That's just that's in my office, you know, hanging in my office. But why why is he um, a hero to you? Just it's interesting. I mean. Obviously, great, talented musician, but why? Why the connection with him? So I think I would love to know. I think somebody who can write that kind of music that touches people over, you know, four or five decades, right? Um, has something special inside of them. Yeah. And I'd love to know, you know, how that feels and what's if he ever related to himself that way. Um, and so that's, that's another person that, that, um, I just would love to, to learn from, you know, somebody who was able to have a voice over so many decades that were, was meaningful to so many different generations, you know, how he sees himself. Oh yeah. Um, great. I think that'd be fascinating. And then the last one is somebody unknown and it's, uh, it's my grandfather who I oh, did I not it. know. Um, he, he died when my father was. Um, six, and I just would love to know. I, I, you know, I know how my father turned out. I, um, my grandmother was a lovely lady, and I just would love to know what shaped him. So I'm, I'm curious about, you know, the things in people that shape them. I'm curious about how they got to where they got to, and then how they perceive themselves. And I think that's the common element among those three. Oh, I love it. Love those answers. This, this is one of my favorite questions. I always ask everybody this, and it's just always fun to see it in. Uh, almost, I would say 90% of the time, someone brings their grandfather, grandmother, someone close like that, or a parent, which I think, again, it goes to the amount of influence that we all have as individuals, I think. It speaks to that kind of 
we need to be aware and intentional understand as we're alive today of what kind of influence we're having on somebody, even though we don't think we are. And, absolutely. and that's what speaks to me that I love the Rosa Parks one too. You're absolutely right. You know, Jim Coos has, has been on her a couple of times and, and I share his, his, in his book, um, I think it's truth about leadership where he talks about Rosa Parks or one of his books that I've read. And he talked about it on this show into detail about Rosa Parks and the courage. And, and it was amazing, right? Here's someone that changed the world. And this is a seamstress on her way home from work, right? Exactly. This, this isn't somebody that went out with an agenda to change the world. She just was, I think as she put it, she was just tired, you know, tired of the status quo, <laughs> you know, and didn't want to stand up. But, you know, we all have the power to do what she did, right? Say no, don't stand up. Willingness and, to get arrested. All of us can do that if we have the courage to do it. Well, and and to stand in that moment. And to stand in that right? moment. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I love what you do, Mindy. I mean, this book is is great. And um, leading with intention, every moment is a choice. And just like you said, what we talked about here, every interaction is an opportunity. Every action has an impact. Every moment has a choice. And uh, I love this message, Mindy. And uh, how can people get in touch with you and connect with you? Uh, they could find me on www.leadingwithintentionbook.com. And that'll take you to the book in a a leading with intention assessment where you can get a sense of how intentional you are. Um, and as well, um, they can see some of the work that we do. Great stuff. Great blog. You also have a podcast too. You want to give a shout out to your podcast too, where people can listen to that? Sure. And thank you for that. Um, I do a podcast. Uh, we put up probably two shows a week and, um, it's a blend of folks who are kind of line people in the business, authors, um, you know, I would say dignitaries, um, and we we basically it's called Peak Development Radio. You can get to it um, through our webpage, and um, I, I love doing it. I absolutely love talking to interesting people, and and it's uh, it's real fun for me. So I appreciate the opportunity for for you and I to have the conversation. But thank you for for giving me the shout out for the podcast that I do. Oh, absolutely. And I encourage all my listeners to go out there and check out our podcast and leave a rating and review for her. It helps with the visibility. As we all know, you've heard me talk about this on this show. You know, Do the same for Mindy and help her out with that and uh, take a listen to her show. She's got some great stuff. And Mindy, it was such a pleasure to have you on this show. I'm glad to have met you. I look forward to you know, keeping in touch and possibly collaborating in the future on something. I don't know, but I, I just I'd love to be part of your tribe. Well, I appreciate that, Richard. I, I, um, I've looked at your stuff and, you know, I would like to do that in return. So hopefully our connection will stay, stay going after the podcast is over. Okay, Minnie, thanks so much for coming on the show. You bet. Thank you. Man, isn't Mindy great? What a fun human being. I really was so blessed to have her come on the show. I feel fortunate to have met her. You know, check out her book, Leading with Intention, Every Moment is a Choice. I think this should be a must read for anybody who's serious about their leadership development. I know it's going to be a go-to for me from here on out. And uh, I just think she's great. I love her tactics on going into a meeting. And I really love the part where she talked about, um, especially the higher you get up in the leadership chain, it becomes less about doing and more about being. Isn't that so true? Take a look at the organizations that you're at today and tell me if that's the case. It seems like we always try to focus on the tactics when we get up there. And when we're up there in the higher echelons, 
if we're leaders or the leaders that we work for, they need to be focused on being and helping other people become better leaders. That's what it's all about. That's what transformational leadership is all about. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Let me know what you think about it. Reach out to me at richard at doseofleadership.com. Tell me where you're at in your leadership journey. Tell me what you think about the show. And if always, if you haven't done so, please go to iTunes, to my podcast, leave a ratings and review. Let me uh, uh, help so much with the visibility of my show. And again, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.